Welcome to Resolution, an initiative of Josh McDowell Ministry. Here we equip you to help youth overcome hurts and struggles and start thriving in life with Christ and others. I'm your host, Ben Bennett. Welcome to Season 1. Hey, everyone. Welcome back again to the Resolution Podcast. This is Episode 3. Ben Bennett here. Thanks for being back with me again. And on today's episode, I'm going to be walking through a little bit more about my story and sharing that with you all. I'll be walking through some of the challenges I've faced in life uh, with hurts, with mental health issues, uh, with struggling with things like pornography, unwanted sexual behavior, and body image issues as well. And I'm stoked to share more about my story and some of the things that God has done in my life, how Jesus has brought about freedom, healing, and so much. Uh, And I'll be sharing some of the key principles that Jesus has used to set me free. And I think that it will encourage you all greatly as you think about your own life, but also the young people in your life. Because I I faced so many things growing up, so much confusion and and hurt and so many struggles as a teen. So we'll just get straight into it. So I, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and grew up going to church probably every week, I think it was. And at an early age, I understood Christianity. I understood the message of Jesus that God loved me so much. And I heard this at church. I know uh, a lot of people share that they didn't necessarily understand or hear the message of Jesus uh, growing up going to church, but, but I did. I understood that there was this loving God who wanted a personal relationship with me. He wanted to know me. He cared about me. He, he was for me. But I had done wrong things. I was born separated from God. I had um, reactions and anger towards other people. I I turned away from God, wanting to kind of do my own thing. I made so many mistakes, so many wrong choices from the moment uh, of birth, or at least as early as I can remember. But Jesus lived this perfect life that I could never live. He, He fully obeyed God. He died on the cross. He rose again. He paid the penalty for my wrongs, and he freely offered me this forgiveness in this reconciled relationship with God. So I understood that at a really young age. I remember around the ages of four and seven or so, hearing that message clearly and saying, man, yeah, I want a personal relationship with God. So I remember talking to God about it, talking to the uh, children's pastor at at my church and placing my faith in in Jesus. And it was awesome at a young age. I remember talking to God. I remember um, sometimes I'd be in my room playing with my toys or my my cars and I would talk to God about it. I remember one time actually trying to give him a car and gift it to him, but uh, he didn't take it. So that was confusing. As a kid, but nonetheless, remember talking to God every day, growing in my understanding of Him and who He was. Um, but despite that relationship being restored with God and growing there and encountering His love, I experienced a lot of hurt 
growing up and other relationships in my life were broken, uh, particularly in relationship with my family and with my friends. As far as uh, my, my family went, I, I remember hurting, having unmet longings, these unmet desires from a really young age to be known, to be loved, to be accepted, to, to feel like I belong, um, to, to fit in. But I remember having so many negative experiences where I felt misunderstood, I felt missed. Um, a lot of this happened in, in relationship with my dad. And, and to be clear, uh, he and I have talked about a lot of these things to this day. God's continuing to bring uh, reconciliation and restoration in our relationship. And things aren't the way now that they were then. But at a really young age, I remember getting in trouble uh, a lot. And I remember when that would happen, my dad would often lash out at me, respond with harsh anger. I remember living in terror uh, of my dad, fear, wondering when's the next time that I'm going to get in trouble? When's the next time that I'm not going to measure up? I remember him lashing out, spanking me aggressively, being so angry, um, harsh words directed towards me. And and over time, I I started living in so much fear and resenting my dad. I often felt like I couldn't measure up to his expectations. I remember experiencing his disapproval over and over again. If I did something wrong, um, his sternness directed towards me, getting in trouble, getting sent to my room, him coming in, angry, being punished, being disciplined, being hurt again and again, and not feeling reconnected after those experiences, but feeling again and again that I didn't measure up, that there was something wrong with me, and like I just couldn't meet the expectations or or do things right that he expected. In addition to that, I remember often, again and again, jumping from friend group to friend group, trying to find acceptance. Um, I remember being bullied for my faith in Jesus, for the way I looked, the music I listened to, the way I chose to dress, for being a little bit overweight, the way I talked, you name it, it seemed like there was thing after thing after thing of ways that I couldn't meet the expectations that people had of me. And I know today, kids can be so critical. Sometimes it can be just joking around and and playing, but sometimes it can actually really hurt and leave quite an impact in people's lives. But I remember in my life constantly feeling like I couldn't measure up. I couldn't meet the expectations of people uh, around me. And I remember one time when I was about the age of 10, uh, I was in the back seat of my parents' car with my friend, and we were both with my family headed to the pool. And my friend and I, um, his his name, I'll call him uh Kirk, uh, we were headed to the pool. We both had our shirts off and we were looking forward to swimming and, and um, it was a hot summer day. But I remember him looking at me and saying, I'm fat, but not as fat as you are. Just so blunt right in that, that moment. But those words cut deeply because 
for a couple of years at that point, I had realized that I was a little bit chubby and I felt some shame about that. But his words in that moment, all of a sudden became like truth to me. They, they defined how I saw myself. And from that moment forward, I began struggling so much with my physical image, with wanting to be skinny enough, with wanting to be strong enough, with wanting to be desirable and attractive to other people. And in that moment, there was like this sense of, again, an unmet longing, an unmet desire to be accepted, to be loved for who I am. And over and over again, throughout middle school, throughout high school, I can remember countless times of being criticized for the way I looked, for my faith, for uh, how I acted, constantly feeling like I was less than. And I say these things not to blame others for how they hurt me, but to be honest with the fact that I was deeply hurting as a kid. I had these unmet longings, these desires to be known, to be accepted, for somebody to enter my world, believe in me, care for me, love me for who I was. But again and again, I had these experiences. So so in reaction to these, I started believing deep lies about myself. Things like, I'm not good enough. Something is wrong with me. Maybe my family would be better off without me. I just can't measure up. I can't fit in anywhere. I'm weird. I'm annoying. I'm fat. I'm not good enough. So at an early age, I began reacting to those things. I began getting really angry and lashing out at my sister, at my mom, at my dad, at my friends, because that was a way I realized that I could protect myself. I felt like other people couldn't hurt me if I kept them at arm's length. And over and over again, I continued to get angry. And that was one way that I felt like I could survive as a kid and not be hurt anymore. I started developing mental health issues, anxiety. I began starting, getting, starting to get really fearful, wondering when is the next time I'm going to be rejected or I'm going to be hurt or I'm going to fail And anxiety for me was like this radar that was always on, looking for the next time I wouldn't be safe. Constantly worrying about that, thinking about that, so that I could somehow protect myself. Depression was a a way that I learned to, to turn inward. When I could no longer protect myself and outrun the anxiety, I would give up. I would turn inward. I would not just believe the lies that other people were communicating about me, but I'd start telling them to myself. And I'd just spiral downward, becoming so sad and hopeless and exhausted. And ultimately, if I rejected myself first, I felt like other people couldn't reject me. I began dealing with obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD for short. I began obsessing about so many things, my, my, my safety, uh, my, my grades. Uh, I began obsessing about what would happen when I died. Would God reject me too? Would I, I die and meet Jesus face to face and would he turn his back on me too? So as obsessive compulsive disorder, as OCD began getting worse and progressing in my life, I started obsessing uh, about death. I feared death greatly. 
I started doubting God's existence. I, I began thinking that every time I doubted God's existence or had a question about it, that I was no longer a Christian, that I was no longer his. So I thought that I had lost my salvation. So I began praying every single time that happened, crying out to God to save my soul. And I began praying upwards of 20 times a day, 20 times that God would save me. I lived in this cycle daily of torture, of pain, of hurts, and I wasn't talking to anyone about it. That's one of the things that made it so difficult. I didn't share what was going on because I learned growing up that people weren't safe. So it just kind of seemed like it was me and God, but I thought that God was going to abandon me too. It was so difficult. And eventually it got so bad that I wished I had never been born. Because I thought that would have been easier than to deal with the pain, with, with the hurt, with the obsessions that I was dealing with. But soon I needed something more. I needed something more to escape the pain in my life that I was experiencing, and ultimately to try to find the fulfillment of the longings, the acceptance, the love, the attention that I so desperately craved. I found hardcore pornography. And I still remember the first time I saw it. My friends were into it. This was around the age of 12 or 13. They were regularly viewing pornography. They introduced it to me. And the first time they showed it to me, I was shocked. I was disgusted. I got up and I left the room. And the momentary warmth, it brought my cold, isolated heart, brought me back again and again and again. It captured me. It kept pulling me back as I tried and tried to push away. I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't know how to find help. And I sure didn't know what it would cost. That it would cost 12 years of my life. 12 years of agonizing self-hatred and failed promises to stop. I remember crying out to God for years to take this away from me. I wondered where God was. I wonder, wondered why I couldn't find healing and freedom. I wondered why I couldn't stop. It began ruining my relationships with others as I continued to feel such shame about what I was caught in. I was involved in ministry as a teenager. I was going to youth group and, and church. I was mentoring younger kids. But for some reason, I felt like I just couldn't get it together. I couldn't stop going back to pornography as much as I tried to stop. I tried everything, praying, memorizing scripture, making promises, telling God, this is the last time I will go back to it. But no matter what I tried, I couldn't stop. As I began isolating more and more, I was shut off from other people, not talking about what was going on uh, within me. I remember going days at a time after viewing pornography from not really talking to anyone, not talking to God. It was a miserable existence. It was so painful. What I went to pornography to get was the exact opposite of what it gave me. I went to pornography to get love, acceptance, attention, but it just left me feeling more rejected, more hopeless, more 
alone. It was tragic. In addition to that, I felt even further away from God. He wasn't turning his back on me, but as I continued to turn against him again and again and again, and I wish I had known what it would cost, the pain, the damage to relationships, the me starting to see women uh, and others as objects of my affection, of my desires, rather than as human beings. I wish I had known how much of pornography is actually sex trafficking, and the people in the industry are manipulated and abused and coerced, and I was contributing to that. I wish I had known about the lack of consent. I wish I had known that it would have led to an addiction that rewired my brain that made it so difficult to stop. I wish I had known how far it would take me, what it would leave me without, and the devastation that it would have caused in my life. Ultimately, pornography gave me the exact opposite of what I went to it to gain. I wanted love, attention, acceptance, the sense of belonging, but it left me feeling more hurt, alone, isolated, and shame, more rejected than I could have ever imagined. And the addiction, the struggle, the compulsive issues of dealing with pornography, obsessing about the way I looked, continuing to experience more Anxiety, more depression, obsessive compulsive disorder getting worse, the anger mounting, the um, shame and sense of worthlessness that I was carrying from hurts from the past, from others' actions towards me, from my own behavior and the things I was stuck in continued to mount. I, I increasingly had doubts about God's existence. I struggled to believe that he actually is real and that he actually loves me. I continue to go down those pathways of spiraling out of control with my doubts and fears about going to hell, and it continued to get worse and worse, and I felt more and more isolated and alone. And it all came to a head my senior year of high school as a teenager when my parents woke me up one morning and shared that my grandfather had died by suicide. I was shocked. I was angry. I was upset. I was confused. And the doubts and the anger and the hurts hit a tipping point in my life. And I said to God, whatever, I'm done. And I started doing my own thing, living for myself, continuing to binge and watch more and more pornography started using people in my relationships with them. Rather than giving, I started focusing more and more on taking selfishness, my own desires, doing whatever I wanted. I was hurting, I was isolated, and I felt so hopeless. I was lost. But as the months went by, I was growing more and more angry and frustrated. The way I was living wasn't working. It wasn't satisfying. I got through my senior year. I graduated, did well in school, but there wasn't much hope in my life. And I was angry and I felt so alone. 
Soon after, I went away to school at George Mason University to pursue a degree in graphic design. And I went there because I had met some people who were so kind. They were so loving. For one of the first times in my life, I felt accepted and loved for who I was. These people invited me to hang out with them. They sought to enter my world. They cared about me. They sought to understand me regardless of my behavior or how I acted. And I experienced love and acceptance from them. I couldn't get enough. So I started going to school there at George Mason University and started hanging out with these people who loved me and they loved Jesus. That is what made them differently. They were following him and they were talking the walk and walking the talk like few people I'd ever experienced in life. And it was contagious. They were involved in a campus ministry there. And I just continued to hang out with them. I didn't really want anything to do with God at the time, but I wanted to be around these people. And after hanging out with them and spending so much time with them, I continued to have a little more interest in resurrendering my life to Jesus, of starting to follow him again. The thoughts popped my mind from time to time, but it wasn't until October in the fall of my freshman year in college. I was hanging out with one of my good friends, Patrick, and we went out at around 11 p.m., or maybe it was midnight. Um, who knows? At college, you eat at all kinds of weird times of the day. A lot of times I remember being like, hey, are you hungry? No. Want to eat? Sure. <laughs> it's just like, what else is there to do? Hang out, eat food, go to class, live in the dream. Uh, college was awesome. But I remember hanging out with my friend Patrick and we late night were eating Vietnamese food, just hanging out, catching up. And all of a sudden he looked at me and said, point blank, do you have a relationship with God? And in that moment, I was wrecked. I started tearing up. I didn't really know what to say. I couldn't get words out. And soon I just started weeping. So Patrick, the good friend he was, he slammed down some money uh, on the table and we walked out to his car. And he just was there for me. He, he didn't demand me to share what was going on, but he was like, when you're ready, I'd love to hear what's going on, uh, what you're, you're processing, what you're experiencing. And he sat with me. It was about 30 minutes before I could get words out, before I could open up to him and share about all the doubt, the hurt, the pain that I experienced in life, the fears of going to hell. And he just listened to me. He cared for me. He sought to understand. And and that was a turning point in my life where I started to open up more and more to talking about what was going on in my life, to experiencing the love of God through other people. And it started with Patrick being there, being willing not to try and fix me, not to try and answer my questions, but to listen to me, to affirm my feelings, to hear me out. And Patrick and I met up uh, from time to time over the following months. And about three months later, I surrendered my life to Christ again. 
I was so sick of the way I was living, the anger, the doubts. It wasn't working. It wasn't satisfying. I remember showing up to the campus ministry uh, weekly meeting, and I hadn't been before as a student, but I remember for some reason all of a sudden being open to going. I went, and I was hit with the love and acceptance of God like few other times I had experienced. I was weeping there once again and felt so loved and, and friends were coming around and supporting me and, and so glad to see me. And they knew that I didn't really want much to do with God uh, until that point. So they were so happy to see me there and so encouraging. And that marks the point in my life where I began running after Jesus, following him uh, and and seeing him bring more and more restoration in my life. And while that spiritual component of my life continued and, and I began to walk with Jesus and, and lead Bible studies and mentor other people and grow in my relationship with God, there were so many issues in my life that continued, so many hurts that were unresolved, so many struggles, so much anxiety in my addiction to pornography and the shame I felt about myself and the obsessions I had about the way I looked. So much of that continued. And it wasn't until I was about to graduate college that I got just so sick of feeling anxious, of doubting God's existence, of continuing to go back to pornography again and again, of eating and overeating and undereating and ultimately gaining over 100 pounds. My life continued to spiral out of control. And it wasn't until then that I had an experience where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I hit rock bottom. I didn't want to continue living with these issues. I wanted freedom. I wanted healing. I didn't want to take my struggles with pornography into, God willing, my future family, my future marriage. I wanted to go into ministry and help other people and live from this place of wholeness, of thriving, of freedom myself. So I reached out for help. I began going through this process with an amazing therapist. He helped me understand the unmet longings in, in my soul, the pain I had experienced. He helped me put the pieces together as to why I got anxious, why I got depressed, why I struggled so much with shame and the way I looked and continued to go back to pornography. He helped me understand those things and how to find freedom. I also began journeying together with other men in my life who knew all of me. There was no more secrets in my life. I began sharing everything, talking to people every day about how I was doing emotionally, uh, the triggers that I was experiencing that might set me up to go back to pornography. I was talking about how I felt shame, the ways I got anxious, and everything that was going on in my life, and I continued to feel affirmed and supported and like I was no longer lonely and isolated and alone, but I finally had the support that I, I needed. I remember going through hundreds of hours 
throughout the years of counseling and, and trauma therapy and working through wounds in my life and um, beginning to consciously every single day throughout the day be aware of the thoughts I'm thinking about myself or the doubts about God and challenging those and starting to meditate on what is true. And I began to experience freedom, healing, and life change. And today I've been free from pornography for over six and a half years. I haven't been back. I'm not going back. I'm walking in freedom and and wholeness. And the life I have now is so much more satisfying. Anxiety has continued to be reduced and at times go away completely. Depression has gone away for seasons, sometimes almost a year at a time. Shame has been replaced with truth and belief on a deep level, experiential level uh, of who God says I am and how much I'm loved. I've got a lifestyle now of healthy relationships where I give and serve other people, and they also give and serve me, and we love one another, we accept one another, we support one another, and I feel closer to God than I ever have before as I've continued to get to know him for who he is as my loving father, who's not obsessed with my sin or my wrongs or my faults, but who's obsessed with a relationship with me, who loves me, who knows me, who cares about me deeply. I've started to truly thrive in life, experiencing satisfaction and the fulfillment of those longings that went unmet for so many years. And I went on to work for this campus ministry for six years. It was the same campus ministry uh, where I encountered Jesus and God's love through these people that were involved in this campus ministry at George Mason University. And I was involved in that ministry all throughout college and, and grew in my faith and my relationship with Jesus and started sharing Jesus' love with other people. But I went on to work with this campus ministry for six years. And I started to help others, missionaries, students, male, female, up and down the East Coast and, and eventually all over the country find freedom and healing from these hurts, from these struggles that they were stuck in like I was for so long. I worked with so many young people, late teens, early 20s, who were struggling themselves with shame, with mental health issues, with unwanted sexual behavior, with pornography. And they too, I got to see God bring wholeness into their life. I got to see God bring freedom, lasting freedom, from these issues as they began to understand how they were seeking the fulfillment of their unmet longings in unhealthy ways and how God actually provides healthy ways to find satisfaction and healing in life. For example, when we feel rejected, when we feel less than, it's so easy to want to go to something to give us an instant fix social media, looking at the number of likes, or just checking out on social media and scrolling, or maybe it's going to pornography, maybe it's uh, sending an explicit image for the desire to be accepted or get attention from someone. 
But God offers for all of those things, the or the root of all of those things, the rejection and unmet longing for acceptance, God offers something that is greater that will satisfy us. He offers us connection with other people. And just like those unhealthy behaviors may release a chemical in our brain called dopamine, which makes us feel good. It gives us this high, this euphoric feeling. Well, connection, healthy connection, healthy interactions with other people, going to them, talking uh, about life and real things and asking them to remind us who we actually are and how much we're loved, that also releases dopamine, this feel-good chemical in our brain. For every unhealthy behavior, God has provided a greater, healthier behavior that's sustainable, that leads not to shame, but to satisfaction and thriving and the life we're created to live. People experience the reality that what they're looking for can be found. See, these unwanted behaviors, these struggles, the things that that people are trying to stop doing aren't random. They're actually looking for the fulfillment of God-given longings, God-given desires, attention, acceptance, the affirmation of their feelings, the sense of belonging and of being loved and known and understood. All of that can be found. God has designed us to experience that being found. And that's what happened in my life and in the lives of so many other people that I've had the privilege of working with. Another thing I realized throughout my journey in working with so many young people is that this life is not meant to be done alone. Life is not meant to be done alone. We need people to support us, to love us, to care for us, to come alongside us. We're made in the image of God, and God is triune. Three persons, but one in essence, one in being. Three and one. And God forever, past, present, and future, has and will exist in community. And we're made in his image, in his likeness, like him. So we too always need community. We need relationships with other people. We're designed for it. We're designed to be fully known, flaws and all, yet fully loved to have a life of no secrets, to not give the enemy, Satan, uh, any room to, to play or to shame us by holding on to secrets that we have and not sharing them with others. It is so freeing to take the things that we are so ashamed of that we thought we would go to our grave with and to share them with another safe person who's not going to condemn us but who's going to love us and accept us and remind us that we uh, are loved, that we are accepted by God through Jesus. Another thing I have continued to see in my own life and the lives of other people is that we're hurt experientially in relationships, and we have to be healed experientially in relationships. It's those experiences of pain, of loss, of rejection, of unmet longings that we start to interpret those things and view ourselves 
as not good enough or inadequate. And whenever that comes up in life, that's the moment where we seek the fulfillment of legitimate longings in illegitimate ways. Yet, we need new experiences to combat the old experiences, new experiences in relationships of being loved, of being accepted, of being known, of being cared for. We see God bring healing into our life and restore our beliefs about ourselves, about God, about other people as that happens. Uh, Another thing is there is such power in the lives of young people having mentors, ministers, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. Uh, God brings so much healing and freedom in their lives. Uh, Their parents, of course, are so important too, but some teens, some young people don't have a good relationship with their parents, or maybe a a parent has left or a parent has died, or for whatever reason, the relationship isn't healthy. But let us not discount what God can do as the body of Christ comes together and as uh, people or as young people are mentored, as they experience love and acceptance of a spiritual father and a spiritual mother in the experiences uh, um, that replace the old negative experiences uh, of hurt and everything God does through that as he restores their view of themselves and the world around them and himself. And throughout all these experiences uh, of hurt, of pain, of struggles, and the freedom and healing and answers that are God brought me in my own life. I became so passionate throughout the years to reach the next generation, to help them experience a good God, a good father who loves them, who accepts them, who is for them, who wants to heal them, who who is not obsessed with their sin, but already died and rose for it and wants to forgive them and bring a life of thriving, of satisfaction, of wholeness to them. And he doesn't want to stop with them. He wants to impact their friends and everyone around them. And this next generation today is struggling with so many things that I have struggled with and found healing and answers and freedom to. And God has so much to say about anxiety, about pain, about hurts, about why we do the things we do and how we react to them and get stuck in in these patterns that take us away from the thriving life, the life of God that we were intended to experience. Yet, at the same time, he has so much grace and, and love and forgiveness that he lavishes on us and he continues to invite us into something Greater. Let us remember that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repent or to turn around. He doesn't ask us to, to give something up and to stay empty. No, when we surrender things in our life, he promises the fulfillment. It may not look the way we expect it to, but when we start to turn from our fear to trust in him, he offers us greater 
satisfaction, and thriving. When we turn from our unwanted sexual behavior, from going to pornography, when we feel shame or or rejection, and we turn to him and to other people and experience healthy connection, we experience sustainable satisfaction, free of shame, free of hurting other people. We experience a better life for every unhealthy behavior. God has provided a healthy behavior that gets us further to a life of purpose, of satisfaction, of thriving that we were created to live. And that's what God wants to offer teens today and this next generation. People are hurting. They're longing for something more. And Jesus has designed them to experience that fulfillment here and now. It doesn't mean that everything will always be awesome and perfect and life will be free of pain or hurt. No, those things may and will still continue, but there is great freedom and healing now. There is great thriving and satisfaction and fulfillment now as we walk in the ways of the life we were designed to live, following God, experiencing him, turning towards him, encountering his love, and making an impact in the world around us by inviting other people to experience the message of Jesus. So I want to encourage you today to share your story, to share your story with a safe person, somebody who's not going to condemn you or reject you, reject you, but who's going to be there for you and support you and care for you. Uh, get help for the issues that you're struggling with. If you're dealing with something and you're wondering, should I see a professional, a counselor? Should I um, do that? The answer is probably yes. There's no harm in seeking out help. Uh, just like when we have physical symptoms in our body and sometimes we'll go to the doctor or the emergency room, if we're having emotional problems or or struggles or or questions, why not do the same? Why not go to a doctor, to a professional who's going to help us figure out what's going on in our next step? I want to leave you with this thought today. It gets better. I believe God wants to redeem and use the parts of your story that you'd rather ignore. God is a God of redemption and of restoration. I've experienced that in my life. Josh has experienced that. So it's go time. Let's offer this resolution to young people today. Help them find resolution for the unresolved areas of their life, their questions, their hurts, their struggles, because God has a lot to say about it, and we get to be a part of it. Remember that your story matters. You never know the impact of your story on someone else. How sharing your story, how identifying with the struggle that someone else is experiencing could bring hope in this feeling in their life that they are not alone. And how you, in those moments, could offer the hope of Jesus and what God has done in your life to them. You never know how God might use your story in the life of someone else. So think about 
the young people in your life, those that may be hurting to or struggling to, how can you move towards them? How can you engage with them? Uh, How can you ask them what's going on, what they might be struggling with, what doubts they might have, and how can you just sit and listen to them and affirm their feelings, their experiences, and not necessarily right away offer advice unless they ask for it, but just be a listening ear. In our day and age where so many people feel hurt, misunderstood, lonely, what an opportunity we have to move towards young people and listen to them and enter their world. Thanks so much for checking out episode three of the Resolution Podcast. I hope my story encouraged you today and you experience God's goodness and restoration and resolution in your own life and that of other people around you. Thanks for listening to the Resolution Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to us if you rate it, share it, and subscribe. To be part of the global resolution movement, connect with us on social media and YouTube at Resolution Movement. That's at Resolution Movement. And check out resolutionmovement.org for more information and resources. See you soon.